Welcome to Thinking Reimagined. Thinking Reimagined is a unique platform for thoughts provoking intergenerational dialogue in a diverse and inclusive setting with a focus on impactful change in the global workplace and community. Our stakeholders' conversations aim to spark thought, leadership, curiosity, engagement, collaboration, and learning amongst individuals, teams, and beyond. Enjoy, Enjoy this episode. episode and subscribe to Thinking Reimagined on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and other outlets. Well, hello, everyone. It's Thinking hello. Reimagined Podcast, and we're back for another week. And this week, we're speaking on resilience, a subject, a topic, a word that has become part of our vocabulary since the pandemic, ever so more so than usual. But the reality is we all have a level of resilience and like a good muscle, we build up the capacity to be resilient, particularly in times of uncertainty, excuse me. And uh, none of us are strangers to the pandemic, the war, the inflation, and all the other things that are going on in our personal lives and professional. So I am absolutely thrilled to be here today and um, having such a wonderful panel with Annalise, a dear co um, colleague and colleague and friend, really, to be honest. And of course, Nifemi, who always just keeps the conversation going. Thank you for being here. Nifemi, what's on your mind today with resilience? Well, Dr. Amma, they say the change is inevitable, but like you said, we 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 live in a world where the rate of change is now kind of unprecedented. Many people are perhaps living it, uh, with more uncertainty today than at any other time. And it's why anxiety, depression, mental disorder, and all the associated conditions are so prevalent in our times. So and I know we've had time to talk about this in a previous episode of this meeting, of this uh, podcast. I'm glad that uh, Annalise has found time to join us. Um, Annalise Gentili is an executive coach, and I, I like this part of her profile that says that she's traveled 22 countries of the world for the seven US states, discovering that most people want the same three things. First, to be heard, to feel safe, and to hold a sense of belonging. She works from that place of inclusion to help you find peace and joy in life and trust in one another again and that's very inspiring Annalise um, maybe you will help me edit of these days <laughs> fantastic <laughs> right, I'll so be honest you you even reading that aloud it's bringing tears to my eyes just just Aww. hearing that it brings tears to my eyes um, just hearing I want to thank Dr. Ama for inviting me and for Nifimi for holding sacred space along with us too. Um, shall I speak to that or did you have something else to say? I just wanted to say I was being moved. <laughs> no, please speak to it if you wish to. Absolutely. You know, resilience is, is who we are as the human species. Uh, it's what's allowed us to evolve over all this time. We figure it out. I say creativity resides at the edge of chaos and with enough, enough heat of change, we can create a new shape. Without enough heat of change, we experience stagnation and with too much heat of change, we experience a, a breakdown in integrity and yet nature breaks down integrity all the time. It's a part of how it renews again. And I think we have, in a way, lost our sense of connection to what nature does to recreate itself. And we tried to go back to what we had. And nature doesn't do that. It renews self similarly. So it may be familiar, but it's not the same. It's always different. There's a cycle and chaos and collapse are a part of that cycle. And we need to remember that we within ourselves and the ecosystem that we uh, 
inhabit as a species together, as a culture. Yeah, you know, I'm so glad you said that because part of the reason why people struggle with resilience, I think, are two points. Um, one is, as you mentioned, that connection with what's going on within us, within and outside of us. Um, we, we're always trying to control things as opposed to just going with it and growing with it and being with it. Um, and that is where the discord comes through. But I also think that um, there has to be a level of acceptance when you can accept that change is natural and resilience is natural, it is given to us, we have it, then we can move with what is going on as opposed to resisting what is going on. So I absolutely agree with you and I, I am so glad that you brought that on because when you can accept the change that's occurring, when you can accept that that is the window to progress. That is the window to the new thing, the rebirth. You know, I was telling someone the other day that in order for you to um, reach that, that zone of, um, of fulfillment, you almost have to let go of everything else that you thought it was. And by mm -hmm. crossing that threshold, you actually get there, you know? If you're holding on to the past, you can't go forward. You have to let go of the past. You have to accept that present moment. And I think many people do not live in the present moment. They're always wanting things to be the, the norm. When, when things are normal, when things go back to the norm. No, we're not going backwards. We're going forward. And if we can focus on that, we will build our resilience muscle and that capacity to be um, resilient and put in those tools that are necessary for us to advance forward. Because as you said, it's how we've come to where we are now and we move forward from here. You bring up a really good uh, point around letting go of the past. And there's something I've been playing around with. Uh, you know, you, you've, you and I have been following each other for a long time, so you may know, but your listeners may not know that a part of what I do as an integrative coach is I help bring aspects of creativity and the creative process into mm -hmm. leadership and navigating change. And so one of the things that I love to offer are creativity retreats. These are expansive windows of time for people to process in a creative way, which helps give the gift of metaphor as a lens to see the world differently. And one of the projects that I'm going to be offering in the next couple of, couple of months is a Japanese tradition called kintsuki. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, well, you should share because I know what it is. Yeah, kintsuki, it is called, kin means gold, and tsuki gold. means to join. And this tradition of kintsuki essentially joins the broken fractured pieces of pottery. And as a metaphor, it includes the broken qualities so that we can feel whole even when we have been fractured. And as a coach, when people come to me and they're working through something and they say, I don't know how to let go, it's, it's really different, difficult. Like you can hold a rope and you can let go of it. It's physical, it's easy. You can say, here's the rope, it's in my hand and now it's not. But when we have pain that we've experienced, letting go is not so easy as a physical release. But when we integrate processes such as creativity or experiences, then the physical release can occur. So I'm, I'm playing around with this language of letting go versus inclusion. And I think on a large cultural scale, we're, we're, de we're playing around with that word too. Like how do we include all the differences versus fracturing, separating, letting go? What are your thoughts, Dr. Amma? You and know, I, you, you, you touched on something that is really, yeah, Nifemi, you should join this conversation, you know, you touched on something that I find very interesting, because you have to have curiosity to have creativity, you've got to be curious to be creative. 
And I have found that as many adults are not as curious, you know, we don't value curiosity the same way that we do as um, a child would. You know, we nurture curiosity in children. I mean, you've ever been around a two-year-old, a three-year-old is why, how, what, what, you know, you can spend all day answering all their curious questions. It's normal. Then they get into school. And as they go through that school process, they begin to lose it because it's not nurtured to the same way or to the same degree. And those who can think outside the box almost have to step away and go into a different kind of school system or have that nurturing of that curiosity and creativity occur outside of the formal school system because curiosity is not a, um, it's not a commodity that people value. As a matter of fact, you're seen as a troublemaker or somebody who is just out of, uh, you know, out of it completely. But if we can harness curiosity, then you're going to have greater creativity. And so when there is adversity, you almost pry it open like an onion out of curiosity to see what else is there. Because I think that the growth and the fixing or the letting go comes from recognizing curiously and creatively and creative, creatively that there is something in there that is going to move you to the next level or take you on a different path. You know, you come to an intersection and this whilst you're at that intersection that you make the greatest gains and the greatest um, opportunities and avenues to shift one way or the other. But you can't resist it. And I think the resilience comes from not resisting. And people tend to resist. Yeah, included. I'm also of the belief that creativity is a given. We, as humans, every decision we make is a creative act. So from my eyes, curiosity is what has driven evolution in the first place. It's not mm-hmm. something, creativity is not a doing. It can be like a creative act, but we are creative as the human species. It is a condition that has allowed us to be and do who we are in the first place. So mm-hmm. I think in curiosity is also in all of us, um, mm-hmm. but you bring up a good point. You called, you said to harness curiosity, and I, I would say to cultivate it. What are your thoughts, Nafimi? Following your conversation, I, 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 I like the imagery of the pottery that pieces back together and um, the ability to be curious, as uh, Dr. Amos put it. I'm just concerned about how, you know, people can reach out to all of these qualities in the face of adversity. So we know that resilience isn't only the ability to and deal fast and sudden change, but also able to bounce back and bounce back quickly, even when life hits you the hardest. So take, for instance, the COVID pandemic where some people lost friends and family, some lost jobs, some lost social independence, and many people experienced some form of crisis or the other. Some were resilient enough to shake it off, but others didn't. What do you think is the difference? Because um, it's one thing to say, put all the pieces together, be creative, be curious, but there are people when they are at the lowest ebb, they can't find the strength to see beyond the current crisis. What do they do at that, at that point of their lives? You know, for me, um, I mentioned the word acceptance earlier, but I think that there's also a need to have a sense of purpose Um, because when you have a sense of purpose, then you can recognize and accept that through that path of purposefully living, which not many people do purposeful living, but when you're doing that, you recognize that there are going to be the hurdles. Um, You know, you're going to have adversity. You're going to have joy. You're going to have pain and all of those things go through But if you can have a sense of purpose and also a sense of gratitude, which is not something that people practice often, 
um, it will help you to build your resilience and it will help you during those times when things are not going the way that you perceive, which is sometimes not the way it's supposed to go, but we spend too much time trying to control the environment, to control how we interact with others rather than being in the moment, being in that space, being with one, because it all starts with this sense of um, safety and love and belonging. And if you can hold on to those, then you recognize that, um, you know, putting the pottery together and knowing that that crack is there, that crack is just part of the history, the story, and it adds a little oomph to the life that you're living, but it does not distract from who you are. Um, and, and that is the whole story of your life. That is the purpose all coming together. You can't go through life without adversity. You can't go through life without building your resilience muscle. And those who thrive um, in adversity or who adapt in change, during change, uh, are those who are able to excel in, in, in achieving that lifestyle or that, I don't want to use the word lifestyle, um, able to excel in achieving purposeful living. That's the word I want, purposeful living. Why not lifestyle? Because when you talk about lifestyle, it's, it, it's based on individuals. Everybody's lifestyle is different. We're all trying to live purposefully but our lifestyle to how we get there. Well, I, I, I am, and I know you are, and yes, I, I are. like to believe <laughs> Nifemi is. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, we all are. Uh, I, I'd just like us to quickly speak to um, how to deal with the fear of the unknown, because, um, mm -hmm. you know, uncertainty and um, apparent instability is what I think triggered the fear of the unknown for many. And if you ask many people today, that's perhaps one of the deepest fears that you're dealing with. You are in the field today and technology is changing fast and, you know, you don't know what is going to happen in another two or three years. I mean, you could just wake up one day and the whole tools and processes with which you do your job uh, completely change. What do you speak, what do you say to that? How do people deal with you know, the apparent, so people say change is real, but change is not only, change is really happening so rapidly these days that people can hardly keep up. I can speak to this. Thank you for your observation and, and really good question around how do people uh, face all of the change that's happening so quickly. My observation of this is first, change is, is life we cannot separate ourselves from the arc of change. It is the condition in which that allows us to be alive. Change is life. It is growth, flourishing, and death. Which brings me to, I think, the other piece of resilience. Um, I think at first we are trying to define in our own ways through our own lenses what resilience is. But I think at the, at the baseline, resilience is about acceptance, but to define acceptance means to define the grief that we are carrying from the loss of what has changed. And that is the, the hardest part of creating a new is to embrace the quality of grief that we carry. Uh, in my book, From Chaos to Calm, Leading Change from the Inside Out, I spoke about hidden grief. And hidden grief is the what, what uh, a teacher that I follow called Michael Mead, he speaks about the little D death, which is all the little changes that we experience from change that we just don't pay attention to. And the big D death, which is the great big loss, the real death, we are li we're alive and now we're not. And the hidden grief is the culmination of all of these things, uh, both little D and big D death, that changes us and in a way burdens us if we don't have rituals to acknowledge what we've lost, who we've lost, how we have lost, 
I, I think the modern society, and I'm, I'm sure that you you may know more about uh, death rituals than than I do here in the West. I've certainly am an oddball in my in my community for the way that I I honor um, the the changes in life. What what are your thoughts about uh, ritual to honor? what's changed and to recognize that grief is a big piece of acceptance. What are your thoughts? Well, so when you talk about ritual, it meant a lot of things in Africa. <laughs> but then <laughs> uh, I understand what you're talking about, um, grief being a part of a process. And I think it was Dr. Ama who mentioned earlier that um, to be able to get to a place of resilience, that we have to be able to deal with uh, that um, temptation to want to control things. Uh, sometimes um, we might have to be a little bit flexible because the changes happen so fast. And the faster the change, the more flexible you need to be. And um, that helps your resilience. It helps you to be able to navigate what is your current reality. So. Um, for instance, I like to break it down to real life issues. Let's take, for instance, someone who's lost a job, you know, as a result of this change, this rapid change that we're talking about. Um, the World Food Program, for instance, has warned that coronavirus pandemic, even now that it's long gone in most parts of the world, will cause global famines. So someone who's used to having three square meal in Africa is battling with um, having his monthly allowance cater uh, to his um, uh, well-being for just 15 out of 30 days. How do they become uh, continue or begin to acknowledge that something has to change, even though they perhaps have hope, been holding on to a profession as what they will do for the rest of their lives. They need to now begin to acknowledge that they need to improve their skills. They might need to begin to look elsewhere, you know, to fend for themselves and also for their family. It also brings us to a point of, um, I think in all of this, as the world uh, seemingly becomes more chaotic and, you know, change becoming harder to manage, I think we all need that support system than ever before. So I hear the two ladies on this podcast talking about what we can do. But I'm also concerned about people who can't really help themselves. I think it's becoming evident that as individuals, we, we, we can navigate the future alone. I also think it's part of the things we must acknowledge, that we must connect with our tribe. So answering your question, Annalise, what is my ritual? Is connecting to my tribe people, friends, family, you know, church members that I'm comfortable with, who can resonate with me, you know, on the level where I am, who can also provide some, some cushion, some help when I feel helpless. The more support I've gotten, the easier it's become to manage the changes and, you know, the very drastic change that I'm experiencing in my sphere. This is the Thinking Reimagined podcast, sponsored by Allied Empowerment. Allied Empowerment Consultancy offers leadership and innovation through bespoke human development solutions, brain-based leadership, and coaching. Allied Empowerment empowers business leaders, teams, and individuals to intentionally accentuate desired outcomes built on trust, curiosity, psychological safety, engagement, and communication. Allied Empowerment thriving in a sustainable and valued manner. You know, Anifa, I'm you. so glad you brought that up. Thank you. Um, because um, I believe that we need to be more compassionate, but at the same, same time, um, practice empathy. You know, uh, when, you're, when you have compassion for yourself and your situation, not only are you connecting with others on that level, but you begin to see that what you're experiencing at that moment is, for me, the way I look at it, an awakening of your ability to overcome the situation. 
you know, you become more connected to yourself. So you have compassion for yourself. It's not pity because very often people mistake pity for compassion, but it's much so deeper. Yeah. Or people will say, oh, what a pity. But they think that they're helping somebody by using the word what a pity. So they approach them as, as having less, as, as not being whole. But when you're compassionate, you're whole. You recognize that you are whole. It is an experience that you're having, but it doesn't take away from who you are and the being that you are. And from there, you can begin to look for the optimism or the tools or the gratitude or the kindness or the acceptance of your situation. But on the other hand, we also have to learn to practice empathy for others um, because they come in, in tandem. And I have noticed that more and more um, business leaders are actually practicing empathy. They're recognizing the importance and the essence of empathy, particularly since um, COVID. I mean, many of my clients are becoming more in tuned with what others within their organizations or their communities. It's not that they never had empathy within them, but they weren't practicing empathy. So I do think that there needs to be a level of compassion that you feel for yourself and for others within your sphere, but also a level of empathy that comes into play rather than knocking yourself down, recognize that it's, it's not the embodiment of who you are and all of you, but a piece of it. And change occurs every single moment. There is no way I can tell you what's going to happen one minute from now or two minutes from now. So mm. it's constant. Change is constant. The reason we react to it is when we're bombarded on a larger scale. But the truth of the matter is, if you have the resilience at a small level, you just build, you can build your resilience muscle, you can build on it. And that comes from a deeper sense of the being that's experiencing the change. Indeed. Oh, hello. Indeed. Peter has joined us. Hello, Peter. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome, Peter. Um, so something just came up for me around absolutes, because you said, I don't know from one minute to the next what could occur. And I think the, a piece of the formula for resilience, besides accepting that the conditions of change are what is, and we don't know all the answers, um, although we can suspect there may be something self-similar in the future. But this just came up for me. I made a note. Permission to accept no absolutes. So there's two pieces to that. Permission permission within ourselves to be okay with, I don't know, because I think in some ways to know makes us feel good. And if we don't know, we may feel shame, fear, mm -hmm. which is along the same thread. So permission to not know and to accept no absolutes. Because I, I think a part of the industrialized age was to make very clear that this is what something is supposed to look like. Indeed. And when we don't know what it looks like, we, we can come apart at the seams because it's not what we ex expect. That's right. So what, what if permission to accept no absolutes is a part of the resilience formula? Permission to not know, permission to say, I don't know, I'm, I'm here to show up, as I said, creativity resides at the edge of chaos, to, to recognize in ourselves, I'm going to sit in the frothy edge of the unknown and be okay with not knowing. And that's and really hard. And it's hard to teach because that means who, who's leading whom? Who's in charge at that point? Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, it's, inter it's interesting you you brought some you brought something up about being at the edge, because that is the place for innovation, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, that's the spot for innovation. Creativity that resides at the edge of chaos. Yeah. Innovation. Yeah. And we all are driven to a point where you are under pressure to know, under pressure to rise to occasion. And I think that um, 
we must surrender that control. Some people are just upset, uh, obsessed with controlling life, uh, controlling the future, knowing things that will happen to them. But the honest truth is you can't change, uh, rather you can't stop change and therefore you cannot control it. So uh, trying to control or change things would only drive you to more friction and suffering. Um, I think that the perspective that must change here is that nothing is permanent and that everything is subject to change. And when you come to that place where you can be as dynamic you know, and flexible, and then it, I think it also affects, um, I think it was Dr. Amma who was saying that um, fulfillment comes from a place of definition. I think that where many people get it wrong is how they define you know, or life itself. Some people find joy in things, in acquisition, in resources. You know, they don't um, prioritize, you know, simple things like friendship, as family, I mean, health, you know, life, I mean, conversations. Uh, we don't place premium on what is not tangible, what we cannot touch. You know, once you lose a job, you begin to define yourself by your joblessness. Once you don't have money in your account, you begin to define yourself by the abundance of what you have or what you do not have. I think that um, as we begin to arrive at this point in um, our world, our definition about happiness and joy has to change drastically and things we look forward to them also has to change. But I'd like you to speak to how you get your own support in the face of, of adversity. And I know that people look to different ways. Some people just go to an isolated place and smoke pot. Some people just mm -hmm. listen to music. Some people, just, um, uh, some people just go blank and they don't want to see anyone. Perhaps someone is willing to share, you know, how, how you get your support or Will you share yours, Nafimi? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I shared my. I thought I did share my earlier. That 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 I about family. To, I look to my church. I look to, you know, people that I trust. People who have been, you know, like I said, that I, I don't define my relationship by those who uh, see me on TV and love my work. I define my relationship by those who knew me when I was nothing and who still believed in me. So I look to those people for some hope, those who know me for who I am, not by the abundance of what I have acquired over the years. So I have this you know, very small circle of people like that. I can't count them in my single hand, but I have a few of them. One, two people that I know that, God forbid, if, if I kill someone right now, that's the first I will call. And that person is not going to of course, might eventually hand me over to the police, <laughs> but will give me a listening ear. Uh, so I think I shared mine earlier. How do you define, Nafimi, uh, success? You talked about redefining it, that we need to redefine it. How do you define it? Okay, so um, so this is, <laughs> it, it's, it's difficult to define on this platform because I, I consider this a secular platform. Uh, where my religious beliefs are not supposed to be aired. So there, it's it be difficult for me to define success without uh, first defining my religious belief. Uh, but let me try to put it this way. Um, I think that I have come to a place of good and clear conscience uh, where I feel a sense of joy in the inner man when I'm able to accomplish a task that is in line with my supreme belief in success. So it's not in money, it's not in, it's not even in my career, right? It's in some, some things that, it's really hard to describe though, uh, so that I don't offend Dr. Amma. <laughs> But, um, but no, how, how would I be offended? Because you're speaking <laughs> earnestly and authentically. Uh, so, you know, like doing good. Okay, something as little as normally if you drive in Lagos, you know that Lagos is a very 
chaotic place when it comes to traffic. And then we have quite a number of people who actually don't understand what it means to drive and they have a car. So when someone drives rough and then your initial reaction is to just, you know, react in anger and say nasty things that will hurt them. I don't know, okay. Analyst doesn't drive in Lagos, but I don't know the, the <laughs> time I drove, you know. But when I come to a place where someone can offend me and I can respect and love, for me, that's huge success. Now, that, that satisfaction in my inner man about the kind of person I'm growing into, I've found that that gives me more joy than when I do a job and I'm paid for it. So it's some, some character goals that I've set for myself. And um, I don't know how to link it, but I've just found out that the, the more I grow in these things, the more I become successful the way the world defines it, the more resources just find themselves to me. So for me, it, it's pretty much different from getting a promotion at work, buying a car, or building. For instance, let's talk about family. Some of my priciest possessions are my two daughters. So as simple as um, spending quality time with them and seeing that smile on their faces, watching them grow, you know, watching them learn some important things that I've been able to teach them. And that's huge success. And, you, you know, having the privilege to train and teach them in the way they should go. Uh, that's give me some, you know, measureless dimension on success than any other thing. Thank you. You know, that, thank you, Nifemi. And there was no way that I was upset. How did you, you didn't offend me in any way by being um, authentic? I was I wasn't going to respond to me. What did you say, Nifemi? I said I wasn't explicit enough. I'm just kidding, by the way. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Um, you know, when you were speaking, Nifemi, you were talking about how do you, how do you build your resilience? Like I, the word that came to me was, um, having tolerance, you know, that there has to be a level of tolerance that you have. And within that space of tolerance, having relationships, having connections, communicating with people, if you can build that network where you feel safe and within that safety, you can, you can communicate authentically and you can have relationships that matter like those that you reference. I think that can help give you a better sense of being able to cope with the adversities when they come because they will come and they do come and sometimes it's ferocious and sometimes it's just a little nudge so to speak to remind you that in my case I always say the adversities remind me that I'm human and perhaps there's something that I've missed that I need to go back and connect with you know it's that for me it's about teaching me a lesson that I need to move forward that's the way that I deal with it it may, I don't know if that's the same way Annalise deals with it, but for me, it's there's always a lesson in the adversities that I overcome. And I look for that. I teach my clients to look for that because that is critical in terms of advancing forward. Um, in terms of the word success, I, I really work very hard with my clients to move away from the word success because of the connotation that comes with it. And I shift more to the word of fulfillment you know, purposeful, fulfilling lives as opposed to success because the connotation of success is the acquisition of things or having things, but you can successfully live a fulfilling life. You can successfully live a purposeful life. So I have a twist in how I work with my clients on that because so much of success is the tangibles, the things you can hold, the things you can see, but really the deepest type of fulfillment which is what you described Nifemi watching your girls grow having that connection with family and and certain group of friends that gives you fulfillment that's the fuel that you need to deal with uncertainty to build the resilience to have that tolerance so that's my perception and that's how I live um, and that's what I teach my clients to 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 go from that place because there is a lot of grief and there's also a lot of trauma. If you're alive, you're going to have trauma. You're going to experience trauma. You're going to experience grief as long as you're alive. Um, and getting past that 
is the level of tolerance, the acceptance, the purposeful living, and um, having compassion and empathy. I think people need to really build those muscles because we don't have enough, I don't think people have enough compassion for each other. And um, that empathy will help you when somebody is, you know, driving erratically and coming towards your misbehaving to recognize that they must have had a, a difficult day. So I don't need to join them in their insanity. I can sit back and watch it with, from a compassionate and empath empathic um, window. Just before I saw you, you smile, Annalise, go ahead. I like to you... begin to drive this conversation home and, and see how we can if possible, summarize some of the things we've talked about, particularly breaking it down for the listener or the viewer, um, how to develop that ability to recover from, you know, setbacks and adapt well to change and keep going in the face of adversity. I think uh, Dr. Ama actually synthesized a lot of what we've already talked about uh, in her last comment with one caveat that I think is the cherry on the top, which is more even the core of what I think we're all getting to. Dr. Amma mentioned compassion for each other as being very valuable to have. And I think it is impossible to have compassion for another if you don't have compassion for yourself. And that is really hard for a lot of people to have permission to not know the answers, permission to be in the unknown, not, the, uh, not just the unknown of the condition, but to be in the unknown as a person. That, as Dr. Amma mentioned, some uh, trigger events can happen very quickly or they can happen over time. And it's not until we look back, we can see how much has changed. So my review is permission to accept. But before you can accept, you have to recognize where you are which means you have to recognize some of the grief that you might be carrying to recognize that change is consistent and that if there's a belief of absolutes, that that can be quite limiting. Absolutes can be quite yeah. limiting, but to be inclusive of many variations and that the line of accepting will change that it will change because the way that you see life changes, the way that you experience life changes. So that line is gonna change. Uh, Dr. Amma mentioned lessons in everything. And I'm a absolute believer in that, that when we are triggered because something makes us upset and we would rather react than respond, it is a lesson. There are lessons everywhere in everything. And if we become aware of ourselves, aware that we can make a new choice in every moment, take a pause, take a breath, say, what's here for me to learn? What is being, bu what's bubbling up inside of me? What can I learn from that? And how can I make a new choice in this moment? Which is very big in leadership. Because if you ha are leading many people in an organization and you're saying, okay, we have uncertainty in the company and we want everyone to be able to do these things, but then there's a lot of uncertainty. You're asking a lot of people to adapt. W what you're basically doing is saying, we're going, we're going to create conditions of fear and we want you to act like you're not afraid. And that's uh -huh. impossible. A lot of people, I mean, the human condition will, will be afraid. So how, as a leader, can you create a culture of safety when essentially uncertainty is a culture of unsafety? We're not going to feel safe. So helping your employees and your leaders feel more comfortable in their own skin. And I think that's a whole game changer from the past where the workplace wasn't a place for feelings. Well, what if that changes? Because feelings are there and it's, it's, it's coming out whether you like it or not. So how, 
maybe maybe that's a little tidbit that we hadn't really talked about is if if you are a leader and you have the capacity to change uh, the culture in such a way where feelings can occur and there's a safe place for people to explore, then you're creating safety in a realm of uncertainty versus here's uncertainty and we want you to just show up functioning when you don't feel safe. It, it's, it just creates more mayhem. Indeed. Indeed. So, so we have a comment from LinkedIn that I'd like to take very quickly. Uh, by the way, Annalise said that life is teaching us a, let, a lesson. Um, the question is, are you taking note? Um, this is from Paradigm Singh. Paradigm says, such a good point that the definition of joy and happiness in the modern world is far too linked with material acquisitions. And in fact, despite achieving material heights, many still feel empty within. And that's exactly what Dr. Amma was saying about shying away from using the word success, but the word fulfillment. You can acquire all the wealth in this world and still feel empty on the inside. Paradina, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Dr. Amma, I'm going to take your final comments on this and we'll wrap. Well, um, it goes back to something that Annalise talked about the safety of belonging. When you can create a space of belonging, sometimes we use the word psychological safety. You know, that space of belonging will offer you the acceptance, the compassion, the sense of purpose or fulfillment, um, the optimism, the gratitude in that safety you are then able to move forward on that journey, knowing that you have the innate resilience you need to live abundantly, to live truthfully, authentically, and to recognize that the, the human tools that we're given with, we're, we're born with, and we're given and we develop as we go through life, help us to overcome the adversities, because in there is the nugget of resilience that we're born with. And that in itself is a powerful tool. But we, we need the compassion. We need the empathy. We need the patience uh, and the optimism. And I always say curiosity because I know curiosity leads to creative, creativity. But we need that in life. We really need to be more curious about who we are, why we're here, what we're doing, what's the journey about, and what is the legacy we're going to leave at the end of the day. And it should be a legacy of resilience and tolerance of each other and others and acceptance. Thank you. Thank oh, you, I think Dr. there's another comment. Well said, thank you. Shout out to Antonella. said, loved this, yeah. Oh, Antonella left a message. It said, loved this. And it is true. We all need to be more compassionate. And there is a massive difference between being compassionate towards others and pitying somebody. Thank you, Antonella. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this one. Um, I, I think I really love what Dr. Amma said about um, the need for us at this time to begin to pay attention to fulfillment. I also think that um, it's important that we know that things are not going to get back to normal. <laughs> she said we're moving <laughs> not backward. Uh, we're fresh from the COVID outbreak, but the risk of pandemics is expected to grow as the climate changes. There are new forms of diseases that are expected to emerge. There might still be some longer lockdowns. So a lot is changing and it's changing fast. Uh, even your profession is changing. And I think that in addition to everything we've talked about here, we must prepare for the change. We must, we must get skilled. We must understand the specific changes happening in our different profession and adapt to it so that we don't get uh, swept by the wind. A big thank you to everyone who's listening. On, uh, who's Before listening we on go, Nefemi, I need to say this. Normal is what is going on at that very moment. You know, normal is defined by the present time. Yeah. Uh, People keep saying, oh, things will go back to normal. No, this is normal for this time, at this time, at this moment. This is the normal. 
There is I no old that. normal. Absolutely. Normal. This is normal for this, this life mm-hmm. at this time. This is it. Absolutely. Nothing is permanent. Everything is subject to change. Annalise Gentile, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. Thank you, Nafimi and thank Dr. You. Ama and Dung for having me here. I really appreciate it. Big love to all of you out in the podcast land. Thank you so much for listening and I appreciate it. Take care. All right. Thank you. you be well. Everyone, thank you for joining this one. I'm Nafimi Ugunso. It's bye-bye for now. Take care. Bye-bye. This has been a Thinking Reimagined podcast. The executive producer is Dr. Amma. Co-producer Peter Amon Boyle. And it is moderated by Nifemi Okuntoye. The podcast is edited by Nelkan and supervised by Dun Sokwa. Thinking Reimagined emphasizes the importance of transformational conversations which have as their aim the bringing about of the rich diversity of thoughts and most importantly, powerful and applicable effective solutions and change. The views, opinions and contributions of the panelists are exclusively theirs and do not reflect the opinions of thinking reimagined producers or personnel. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening and we, we hope you have enjoyed, enjoyed this episode. episode. We invite you to subscribe to Thinking Reimagined on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play and other outlets. We look forward to presenting another riveting episode next week. Thinking Reimagined podcast is produced by Live Abundantly. We welcome your thoughts and invite you to visit our website livesabundantly.com or you can follow us on social media on Live Abundantly 8. Thinking Thinking Reimagined, changing the mindset mindset for for a better global global society. society.